Welcome to Investing Across Borders with Lauren Cohen. Every week, she will share valuable information that you need to know in order to successfully invest in real estate and other business endeavors in North America. We believe in helping clients invest, live, work, and play across borders. And now, your host, Lauren Cohen. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Lauren Cohen from Investing Across Borders. And I am here today with Amin Rahal. I have known Amin actually, sort of indirectly, I guess, for about two years. He posted something on one of the websites that you go to when you want to get some great, amazing publicity. And he was in the midst of writing a book, which we will talk about, called The Immigrant Hustle. And he was looking for immigrants with a story. Immigrants to the U.S. mainly with a story. And guess what? I had a story and he happened to like it. So I think there's what, 50 people in the book, I mean? Yeah, that's right. There's 50 people. Yeah. And so I was one of the lucky few that got chosen. And we went through a lot of, actually, there was a lot of due diligence to make sure that we were the right choice and wrote our sections. And it was a really an, an amazing experience. And we just launched the book, or Amin just launched the book, actually, last week. There was a press release. It took a little more time because of COVID and some administrative stuff that always happens in the publishing world. And of course, Amin didn't want it to go out without it being perfect because he is a marketing expert after all. And so a few days ago, we started connecting on a different level, talking, interacting, talking about real estate investing, talking about being an immigrant, talking about his experience and mine. And here he is today on the podcast a couple of days before Christmas. So, Amin, please, I would love to hear you introduce yourself. I, I, I know a little about you. And I forgot to ask you whereabouts in my hometown you are actually located, but we can talk about that another time. But Amin is currently physically situated in my hometown of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and grew up in Montreal. So why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm based in Toronto. I own a uh, digital marketing company called Iron Among Solutions. We do web design, digital marketing, which includes SEO, PPC, uh, social media PPC advertising. PPC pay-per-click for those that don't know. Yeah, like Google ads, Bing ads, that kind of stuff, even Facebook ads. So that's what we do. And I'm also the chief marketing officer for a company in the U.S. called Regal Assets. And this company helps people with retirement accounts. So like 401ks, IRAs you know, TSPs, any kind of retirement vehicle, this company helps them invest in alternative assets like precious metals, cryptocurrencies, and there's more assets coming next year. So anything that's considered, you know, that's not stocks and bonds, basically. That's not like um, the traditional assets offered by, you know, your average traditional investment uh, house like uh, Vanguard or Fidelity or, you know, Charles Schwab, all these guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, how did you connect with them? So they were my clients for a while. At first, they were my clients. I was just helping them with digital marketing, and eventually, you know, after working with each other for ten years, I just, um, you know, I was offered to become chief marketing officer and help basically um, their entire marketing yeah. strategy. You know, right. so um, yeah, so that's how. It started as just them being a client, and I got involved uh, just a couple of years ago as a, as a chief marketing officer. Well, that is super cool. So, yeah, yeah so I, I used to live in, in the States. I used right. to live in the city. I lived right. there for a few years. And then I moved to China. I lived there for a year and a half. 
with my girlfriend. She was teaching English. I just wanted an experience. I just felt like uh, just wanted to travel, and I just felt like Asia was uh, was calling my name. It just felt like a, an exotic, adventurous place to go to. So I just went to China with and my girlfriend. It? Oh, it was amazing! Great experience. I'm glad that you came back before this all started. Exactly. That would have really not been fun. No, but you know what? Apparently, they're doing much better than we are. You know, I still have a lot of contacts in China, and they're telling me it's everything's back to normal there. Wow! So it's it's unbelievable given the amount of people they have. But um, yeah, yeah, so. the U.S. has not done a very good job. Canada's done better, but the U.S. kind of like has let let the ball drop in a very big way. And yeah, being here, being Canadian and American, being here has been interesting and had its share of challenges, definitely. And, you know, the uncertainty and the way that people have responded. Canada is just such a different country. And it's become, I think, that much more apparent. I mean, through this whole pandemic is the way Canada versus, and I say versus because it's kind of not a competition, but Canada has reacted and responded and handled versus the U.S., which has literally, in most cases, not reacted and handled and responded very well. So on that note, we won't go into politics because that's a whole other story. Kind of warms, yeah. Yeah, we, that's definitely not an area I want to get into on this podcast. Oh, my goodness, especially right now. But You get a lot of hateful comments. <laughs> no matter which side you're on, there's going to be... There's going to be that. And uh, yeah, and my mom is constantly saying, my mom who's in Toronto is constantly saying, you're president this and your country that. I'm like, mom, I am still Canadian. Like, you know, I live here, but I'll always be Canadian. And we do think differently no matter what. So you are working with... You have both nationalities, right? I do. I'm dual. Yeah. And that's what I do. I help other people get the same or move across borders and get their visas and so on. And yeah. so you chose to remain in Canada, despite the fact that probably 80% of your clients and certainly your largest client, the asset company, yeah. are in the U.S. What, what made you decide to do the, all of this extensive cross-border interaction and yet remain in Canada? Obviously, you lived in China, you lived in New York City, but you chose to be in Canada. Why? Yeah, so it's mostly family reasons, to be honest. I could have stayed in the U.S. I mean, you know, the fact that I work remotely, like I, I work online, so I could be in China, I could be in, in Papua New Guinea. It really doesn't make a difference. As long as I have, you know, a solid internet connection, I could be anywhere. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually my, uh, you know, my partner at, um, at the financial company, you know, he lives in, he's Canadian also, but he, he's been living in Los Angeles and he's been asking me to move there, right? He's like, hey, you should come. It's great here. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be great. And I'll introduce you to all these people and stuff. And I said, yeah, eventually I'll, I'll, you know, I'll definitely come. I don't know if I'll stay there, but I'll definitely come for, for a bit. So I'm all about traveling. I'm all about, like, discovering different areas. I don't know where to settle yet. Yeah. I think it's the same with my partner or my girlfriend. You know, we both like traveling. Right now, we're both here for family reasons, and we both can work remotely, so that's great. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I want to settle in one country yet or if I want to just experience a different country for a while and then move on to another one, right? Life is short, and if you can work remotely, why not, right? Right, for sure. Um, one of my clients and friends and colleagues who was actually my first podcast guest 
he's nomadic. He the, the longest he's ever stayed put was during this pandemic in Calgary. But really, he chooses to be everywhere in the world rather than any specific place in the world. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, Calgary is his home. But right now he's down in Cabo and he'll, you know, he goes all over literally all year round. And and that's great if you can, you know, when you don't have kids and all of that, you have that freedom. And even when you do have kids nowadays, because half of them are doing school virtually anyway. So, exactly. you know, yeah. and they can experience the world. So, so what prompted you to come up with the idea to develop this book around these 50 immigrant stories? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, when I when I grew up in Montreal, I always had friends from all over, right? From Asia, from Africa, from South America, from everywhere. And I always thought Montreal was a very diverse place, right? Yeah. And I loved it. You know, I had friends from all over, and you know, that's when I discovered, like, I you know, I got I got to discover different types of foods and different customs and things like that. But then when I moved to New York City, two thousand six, that was after college, I got a job there. That's when I really got to experience what real, um, a real cosmopolitan cosmopolitan city looks like. Because yeah. in New York, you know, virtually everyone you meet on the street is from somewhere else. Absolutely, it's 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 one of those cities, right? It's um, like an international capital. It's like uh, the headquarters of of business. Of everything. Uh, exactly. Of everything. Yeah. yeah. So, so when I was there, basically, I realized that there's you know, there's two types of immigrants. There's, you know, there are immigrants that are super well settled and, you know, they have a, you know, they either have a great job or they start a business or, you know, they're going to school. But on the other side, you have immigrants that are not really happy of their situation there, right? And when you take a lot of cabs in New York, you get to meet some of these people. <laughs> That's for sure. Right? Like they, they had like, you know, degrees in their home countries. They had... Uh, and here they got nothing. Yeah, they had like super important jobs back home. And then here they resort to driving a cab because they couldn't find really anything that matched their qualifications. Yeah. So and I, you know, when I talk to them and and, and I ask them, you know, how they feel about everything, they, you know, a lot of them were just like very, very disappointed in either in the government or, you know, what have you. Right. Like they were just not where they wanted to be. And whenever I suggested like. You know, have you ever thought of starting a business, right? Like, was that ever an option for you? Like, just working for yourself, becoming an entrepreneur? They always came up with with answers like, you know, I don't have a business degree or I don't have the money. I don't have connections. This is too complicated. When in my mind, it's way easier to start a business than to look for a job that that will match your PhD that you got back home, right? Like, you come with a PhD from 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 a country. It, it's not going to be recognized in the U.S. If you're looking for a professor job, for a job at a university, with that degree in hand, you know you have no chance. So you pretty much have to go back to school, right? Like to get another degree altogether if you want to get those types of jobs. But I just and that costs money, which you don't yeah, have. So exactly. that's a whole other cycle. Yeah, but I just thought it was it was funny how they thought entrepreneurship was so difficult that, that it was like out of reach for them. Like these are just like a few people, obviously, that I spoke with, but it just to me, just um I was like, no, it's not as difficult as you think. 
you know, it's it's uh, it's actually much easier now you're in the U.S. Like you can register a company name in the, you know within the same day, and you can open a business bank account right there and then. And then you're in business. You just print business cards, you make a website, then you start advertising yourself. To me, it's way easier. It always felt way easier than trying to save money, go to school, get a PhD, and and plus you're you're pursuing your passion, that which is way more important in the end, right? A lot of these guys. And by the way, my father, he was a chemistry professor. He passed away last year, by the way. Um, he was a chemistry professor. And I asked him a few months before he passed away. I said, I said, Dad, if you had to do it all over again, you know, if you had like a way back machine and you could go back in time and you, you could redo your life, would you still have chosen the same career path? Would you still have gone to university, gotten a PhD and, and became a professor? And he said, no. He said, I would have been an entrepreneur. He said, I always wanted, when I was a kid, I always liked working with my hands. I always liked building things. But it was frowned upon back then. It was like, the only path is, is going to school. And then you were forced into that path, right? Like old school immigrant uh, mentality, right? And I don't, think it, I don't think it's just immigrants. I think it's just old school way of doing things. Like back in the 50s 40s and before that like you couldn't just go tell your parents i don't want to go to college i just want right. to be an entrepreneur work for myself right. you know, paint or or build something or and just you know that's my passion and i just want to pursue that you couldn't do that <laughs> and so he basically went to school and, and got a phd but that wasn't really his passion he did really good at it you know he was a professor in college in, in about a college in montreal but he did tell me that if he if he could go back in time, he wouldn't do the same thing. He would have he would have become like a. He said he said he liked building things with wood. He would have been like a carpenter or something like that. But yeah, his parents when he was young, there's no way they would allow him to take that path, right? So that's basically the why I decided to to make this book. I just uh, wanted to show mostly like younger immigrants, you know, like. I wanted to show them, hey, take this book to your parents. Show them that there's another way. And look at all these people, right? Like, they all, not you know, none of them was like, none of them like was born in, in, in wealth. Like, none of them had like millions of dollars given by their family to start their business or anything like that. They all started from scratch. I wish. Exactly. Right? <laughs> actually, I don't wish. I'm actually pretty happy. Right. It's true. Because then you just you you have a you have a backup plan, and it's not always good to have that backup. Plan. Yeah. Exactly. And then people are always going to say, "Hey, you're not really self-made. You, right. you know, you got it handed to you, and uh, <laughs> it sucks because you have to live with that." But yeah, so that's the idea of the book is to sh to show younger incoming like people that are just coming to the country now that hey, look. You don't have to like go to college. You don't have to like save money to try to go to Ivy League school because your parents want you, want want you to. If you want to become an entrepreneur, that's definitely an option. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but it's definitely an option to consider. You know, and um, show your parents that look here's these people because everybody knows like Elon Musk and you know look at all these big companies. We know that there's all these successful immigrants, right? But there's also a lot of small business owners that are very successful that you don't hear about that have started from scratch and that have been very successful. So you don't, you don't have to just look at the top and right. say, oh, there's just these few people here that everybody knows. 
But then aside from those people, there's really nobody else. That's not true. There's actually way more immigrant entrepreneurs that are small and medium business owners than there are, you know, um, large corporation owners, right? So, yeah, so- I think that I think that sixty percent of entrepreneurs are immigrants. I think it's sixty percent or some. It's a crazy number. Yeah, I saw something like that. Like it was over fifty percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a crazy number. And 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 part of the reason, just like with anything, is because you have no choice. So a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of immigrants that don't have a lot of choices became entrepreneurs, not by choice, but by force, which is going to happen again post-pandemic because people lost their jobs. And so they're forced entrepreneurs, not necessarily willing entrepreneurs, but forced entrepreneurs. And you're going to see a lot of really amazing businesses come out of it that are already starting to, you know, that's the silver lining, of course, but... What do you envision as the plan for the entrepreneurs that are part of the book and for the book itself? Like, you know, do you want to make a movie? Like, what's your plan for it? Like, what's the impact plan? Well, to be honest, the impact was just, um, you know, as I said, it was mainly just to show newly arrived immigrants that there is another path. You don't have to, to go like, six figures in debt just to get an Ivy League education, especially if it's not something you really want. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a pressure, family pressure, right? Yeah. That was my main goal, you know, like just showing these people, hey, you can pursue your your your, your passion. You want to paint, you know, you're an artist, you're a musician, you're, you know, or even like I said in the foreword of the book, even if you want to be a plumber, you want to be a, you know, uh, an electrician, a carpenter, it doesn't really matter. Like these, obviously your parents are not going to be happy to hear it, but you have to show them that there's a lot of success stories. And by the way, plumbers and electricians make a heck of a lot more money than a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of us lawyers, for example, right? I mean, there you go. I've been trying to find a plumber. I have a condo that I rent uh, through Airbnb. I've been trying to find a plumber over plumber over the holidays. And it's, 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 it's impossible. Yep. They're all booked until, Until after Christmas, and they charge ridiculous amount of, amounts of money, right? Yeah. Um, imagine if you if you had like a real really bad situation, <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, it's true yeah. though. Like these days, trades are really in demand, and you know, I have to wonder how valuable college is. And obviously, I had a lot of years of college, but you know, at the end of the day, it's not about what you know, but about who you know and how you apply what you know. And I think that that's part of the story. Yeah. I, I think that probably what you're going, what you're going to find with also as a result of, of this publication is that you're going to have a lot of people that are, you, you want to inspire them to take, you know, go after their passion. I think you're going to find a lot of people reaching out and, and, and learning from that, how to do that themselves, figuring out how to take advantage of an opportunity that they may not otherwise know is available to them. And also, I think I can see already that there's going to be collaboration amongst your your immigrants that were featured in the book because that's already starting. You know, some not that not that everybody is collaboratively oriented because a lot of people aren't. A lot of people are kind of like, okay, this is me. I'm doing this, and I'm not me. I'm very collaboratively oriented. Everything I do is about joint ventures and affiliations and relationships. Relationship yeah. Capital is my number one thing. And as a result, I'm I'm going to respond every single time to somebody making that effort. 
And I think that that's going to be a very positive thing for, for all of us that were featured in the book, as well as for you, because you're, you know, the star of the show, the ringleader, so to speak. And it will, will help you as well, you know, on many fronts, I think, and, and, and build your brand across borders. Because at the end of the day, you obviously realized early on that you're not going to be able or you're not going to have as much impact by sticking purely within your home country, Canada. You went out, you sought American and international clients, then you built this book. And it's all about going beyond borders because the borders these days mean nothing. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have the right legal support, and legal structure in place, you can really build your business as far and wide as you want to, especially, again, the silver lining of COVID being that the world is truly small. This can happen between you and I as easily as between you and someone in Australia or, you know, Thailand yeah. or anywhere in the world that you, that you uh, want to collaborate with. And as you said, all you need to be able to function is working internet. And that's exactly. true for me too, that laptop lifestyle, that exactly. true freedom of, of um, movement, you know, being able to be, I, I, I've spent summers in Israel where I've functioned as if I were local. Time difference is obviously an issue, but that's the only thing. So yeah, time difference is, a, is, is, is the only issue. You're right. And I tell, you know, I have, um, I have seven employees and I tell them, I have no problem with workations. You can work from anywhere as long as you have, you know, solid internet and I can reach you and you're available during business hours. But I can tell you that time zone matters. Like I had one of the, um, one of my social media experts, she went to Japan at, 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 back in 2017 and it was very, very difficult to work with her from Japan. The time, the time difference was just yeah, it's, it was impossible. It's, it's huge. It's 12, it's 12 hours, right? You basically have to wait an extra day to get a response yeah. to an email. Yeah. Right? And that makes a big difference. Yeah. So I told them, if you go to, like, Europe, that's doable. Right. You know, obviously within Five, the, six hours, no big deal. No big deal. Right. The Americas, that's fine. But right. further than that, I don't think it's going to work. You have to let me know, and we'll see if we can make it work. But I would prefer if it's within maximum six hours. So we can overlap at least by a few hours every day and so I can right. get so it's, it's so true like when I when I have spent the time in Israel it's seven hours ahead of us eastern yeah. but it's 10 hours ahead of west coast and a oh, lot yeah. of my business is done with the west coast now that's hard because where I could take a call let's say at, in, in Israel at you know midnight that's going to be 10 hours earlier on the way it's just it becomes confusing yeah. So that's about the max, I think, like six, seven hours beyond that. Like you said, it's it's the next day. Like I had a call this morning with Hong Kong. I was trying to reach him last night. It was 1130 here. So it was 1130 there during the day. That's confusing. Then there's I've worked with some places that are 14 hours ahead, even like that's, you know, or or Australia. <laughs> that's a whole other a whole other day, literally. So yeah. it's challenging, but you know what? You overcome the challenges. And like you said, you give your people a lot of freedom and that's amazing because we can do that. We couldn't do that 10 years ago. And now we have a lot of things like Zoom and all these opportunities, FaceTime. I mean, the, the, the world is a smaller place. I mean, how do people reach you and how do people access the book? Yeah, so the book is um, on Amazon, Chapters, Barnes & Noble, 
Cobol. Highway Chapters is in Canada. Just so. Well, what's the equivalent? In, in... It's Barnes & Noble. Or it's the same company, right? Yeah. Because there's also Indigo. What's Indigo? Yeah, Indigo is, I think it's owned by, I think Indigo is independent, but we don't have that yet. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, all major retailers, as they say. <laughs> yeah. And, I think uh, it's going to do really well. And they reach you at social media. Where's the best place to find you? So Twitter, uh, Amin Rahal. So A-M-I-N-E-R-A-H-A-L. That's my username on Twitter. LinkedIn, also same same username, basically. I think my last and first name are, are um, inverted on, on LinkedIn. But if you just type Amin Rahal, I should be one of the first few results. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, but Facebook, I don't really post anything. It's mostly just keep up with the family and uh, see what friends are doing. It's more like personal. Right. I use more it. personal stuff. But LinkedIn and Twitter, I use for everything. And I'm more active on those. Thank you for including me in the book. I'm looking forward to lots of opportunities together in the future. I thank you for your time right before Christmas. No, I said my pleasure. It's um, it's It's interesting because there was a lot of... There was a lot of entrepreneurs that initially landed in Canada or Singapore or Australia or the UK and then moved to the US. So it's, it's, it's another thing that I wanted to highlight in the book, but I don't think I really uh, covered it. But the US is really this place that has like an advantage of, over a lot of other countries in, in, in the fact, in, in the sense that it, it attracts any successful entrepreneur from anywhere. And I think that's what um, that's the strength that that only the U.S. has. It's if true. you think about it, because you know, you even think about Elon Musk. You know, he's he's South African slash Canadian. His mom is yep. Canadian, right? He studied in Ontario, yep. but then he moved to Silicon Valley, right? You have to. You it's, have to. If you're going to have an impact, it's kind of like I work with a lot of Israeli startups over time, and it's yeah. this tiny little country, and. You know, yeah, you have to go out of that tiny, small country. And if you're going to make it big in the world, no matter how much political, right, you've got to do, got to be able to make it in the U.S. That's exactly it. And and that's, that's, that's what I wanted to highlight. You know, when I was talking to all these cab drivers and all these immigrants that I had, that I was, uh, that I had met in New York, they were really disappointed. That really felt like, you know, there was nothing they could do and, you know, I just wanted to remind them, hey, you are in the country where, you know, even successful people in their own countries want to come, right? Because they want to make a big impact, you know, because you can make a big impact in the UK and in Australia and Canada. But if you want to make a global worldwide impact, you kind of have to make it in the US first. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, that's, that's. It's kind of like dating. It's kind of yeah. like dating. You know, you'll you'll date this one and this one and this one and this one. But you're when you're ready to actually get married, you'll come to the U.S. When you're ready to actually make that commitment, it's the U.S. that's going to help you. And the reality is it's the same in my real estate investing side of my world, because no market is going to offer the opportunities and freedoms and benefits that the U.S. real estate market offers. Notwithstanding the fact that, you know, where you are, you can't touch a home for under a million dollars. But in the, you've just got, it's just numbers. It's sheer numbers and, and availability. Like not to say that China and Brazil don't have huge populations, but their, their controls and their regulatory systems are completely different. Here, it's a free market. And no matter who is the president, it's going to always be that way. There is, 
freedom of mobility and freedom of, of access and, you know, currency restrictions are not nearly like they are in many other countries around the world. So, and you also have free, you know, just liberties, just general liberties. Again, politics aside, because I've got some comments on that, but generally speaking, Canada is the only country that's even remotely similar, but the challenge in Canada is that you only have one-tenth of the population. Exactly. And, and that makes a huge difference, no matter what, and you are always, you know, I remember I was a poli-sci major, and in school, I used to teach mass communications, and we would always talk, this was obviously before I ever knew I would be living and functioning in the U.S., how about this mammoth to the South, because Nothing in Canada. We have the CRTC to protect Canadian content, right? Because Canada is so impacted by America, even though it's still a very different country. The reality yeah. is that we, you, you just can't can't compete. You can't compete on a global scale. Yeah, and that's 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 something that I um, actually I wrote in the book. You know, in the U.S., the market really doesn't care about your ethnicity, about your religion, about your skin color, about your gender sexual orientation, anything. It doesn't really care about any of that. If you have a good product, there's right. a huge market that will buy. Right. Like, as you said, Canada is 10 times smaller. So is Australia. Even if Australia, I think, is even smaller than, than Canada. I think they're 25 million. So all these countries, you know, they have a, a similar entrepreneurial landscape as the U.S., but a much smaller market. Right. So you can make it you know, you can make it in those countries, but you never make it as big as someone that does exactly the same thing as you do, but in the U.S. Just it, as, you, as you said, it's, it's a numbers game. You've got over 350 million people, I think, right? 350 million yeah. that are willing to buy if you have a quality product or service. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and that's something that I always loved about entrepreneurship. Like, nobody really cares who you are. You don't have to be born in a... That's right wealthy family you don't have to have a specific ethnicity gender none of that it's really just about the quality of your product and so i'm i'm surprised that not more people are doing it right. <laughs> and you know so many people are, are just seeking you know these ivy league schools and 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 going in debt to get these degrees that are really in the end of the day you know not guaranteeing you anything you don't have any guarantee of getting any job at the end of it especially if it's in a field like arts or or you know communication or any of these you know i have a friend who's has a phd in philosophy he has never found a job ever because the only thing he could do is teach philosophy in college yeah. good luck finding those jobs there's only so many jobs for that right because there's only so many people that are going to want to get that degree so. exactly so so that's what i love about entrepreneurship you 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 have something you know you have a quality product or service you will know right away. You can get started pretty quickly, and the market the market will tell you the honest truth in the first year. You know, there's um, there's no lies. There's there's nothing. It's just about the quality of your product and whether you can hustle to bring it to market. Because obviously, it does take some skills to find clients, and um, that's where a lot of people give up. And um, of course, and that's obviously. And if you're not willing to invest, also. In yeah. marketing and in the strategy that you need, yeah, um, like too many people, especially when you're investing across borders, just think it's going to be the same old, same old. And you know, you've lived in a few countries, as have I. It's not the same old, same old. You can't apply the same principles to business in Canada 
as in China, as in the US, as in the UK. And there are not the same rules of engagement. And you can't go to China and expect people to shake your hand the same way as in the US. They're going to greet you in a different way with a nod and, you know, and you, and if you, if you're, these are cultural differences. So there's all kinds of steps in the process. And I think it's just super important to understand that we are, as much as we are all the same, we are not. And if you think that you're going to be able to just do what you did in your home country, wherever you're expanding into, or in the U.S. from that country, you're wrong. And you need the proper guidance to help you in that process. So, yeah. So I am going to wish you, again, happy holidays to you and your family. And hopefully we'll meet in person someday soon. Next time I'm in Toronto, whenever that may be. Well, I actually have a lot of people to visit in Florida. So I might it might be easier to meet down in Florida than there you go. Than up well, here. Hopefully, hopefully it will all be, be a thing of the past soon. And uh, stay safe and all the yep. best for the new year. I look forward to a lot of opportunity with you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yeah, thanks, Laura, and you too. Thank Have you. a great holiday season. Thanks for listening to Investing Across Borders with Lauren Cohen. Make sure to check the show notes for any links and for guest contact information. If you have questions for Lauren, please reach out to her at founder at ecouncilglobal.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with a friend.